You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for being with us. The episode you're about to hear contains my conversation with Gaika. It's something so broken and like doesn't even pay people minimum wage for the work that they do that everybody employs. Then I'm quite happy to be the bad guy, right? Like I want to be the bad guy in that situation because that just means my morals are intact. Geiker describes his music as ghetto futurism. His releases have found homes at labels like Warp, Mixpack, and now Nafi. Other elements of his practice explore writing, art installations, design, and community building. Geiker's latest release, Seguridad, is framed by productions from many members of the Nafi family in Mexico. As we spoke, Geika shared stories of rising up through Manchester's party scene, of switching aerospace engineering for fine art, and how he escaped the oppression of the term deconstructed club music. You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange with myself, Martha, and I'm joined with Geika, um, who is speaking to me from his home... Well, it's not your home studio. You've actually gone to your studio, yeah, haven't you? Gone to my studio. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for braving the intense heat to um, speak to me today. It's all good. It's like... It's hot. It's hot like Jamaica, so I'm into it, actually. <laughs> Um, we're going to go through your journey so far mm-hmm. uh, during our conversation today, but if you're up for it, f- to start us off, would you um, take us all the way back? I'd love to know, what is your earliest memory connected to sound or music? My earliest memory connected to sound is, is it's a cliche, but it's it's beating pots and pans in a kitchen as like a toddler. And I would be banging on these pans. And I, I don't know, I think I saw it on television somewhere. I, I can't have been more than about three or four. And I just remember going and setting them up like drums and like, uh, yeah, I did that. That's my earliest, when I think about it, my earliest memory of anything to do with sound. Uh, in terms of like music, actual music, I don't know, like 80s uh, and, and 90s music, that kind of that particular like overly, over overwrought ballady music it's kind of like burned itself on my mind rock set and stuff like that so <laughs> is that what was played like around your house when you was growing up no it just was on the radio mm-hmm. what was played around my house growing up um jazz music prince like reggae music really soul music so yeah definitely not rock set but it was top of the pops would always be on tv so like we watched that religiously so i guess i, I kind of I had an education in like late 80s pop music. Do you have any other memories that you really associate with growing up in terms of sound memories, like not necessarily music, just things mm. that you would hear? Sound of being, the difference between what things sound like underwater and above water. I always think about that. I was obsessed mm. with what things sounded like underwater. So, 
Um, yeah, I, I remember always trying to bang on things on the water or, or just being astounded that sound like traveled more quickly on the water. Mm. Uh, so, yeah. Is that something you've ever ended up using in your practice? No, not yet. Not yet? <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, not really. <laughs> Haven't really. Yeah, I never really thought about it until now, to be honest. Like, I never really considered considered it in my work. I mean, maybe subconsciously. Some people say my, my mixes sound like they're underwater, but I don't know if it's a compliment. <laughs> so aside from the banging on pots and pans, what was your first experience of writing or creating music? Me and this dude from my school named Robert McDonald, and he had some kind of Akai uh, sampler or tape deck or something. And we would, yeah, I can't. I don't know what it was. I have to look it up. But we we started making, making like overdub beats on that. Um, in the, in the nineties, at some point, that was the first time I like got into making music. Um, when we were like in school, twelve, thirteen, something like that. And then from that, uh, I haven't seen that guy in about like literally since then. So, um, but from then I got into. DJing and like pirate radio stuff and but my very first thing was taping stuff off the radio and then like making overdubs and like playing with with cassette players and then uh, my friend had a had a like a more serious recording machine and then that's what we we used to try and make I mean to be fair I've been making music that sounds this way since then I just didn't know if anyone cared or not till now so if I actually think about what I was making then it was not dissimilar to what I'm doing right now. Mm. Were you DJing when you were in London or was that when you went, uh, you went to Manchester yeah, right, yeah. for a bit? Yeah, I was DJing in London, DJing at house parties and my friend was on a pirate radio station and was on Supreme FM back in the day. So I used to go there with him and start putting on parties and started just getting into it from super, super duper young. So um, yeah, and then when I went to Manchester, I kind of, continued in being involved in clubs and putting stuff on and occasionally DJing and not sort of started doing it more and more. Um, mm. But yeah, my, my initial thing was really as someone that occasionally DJed and put on raves and then I started doing design for the, like, like doing the flyers and then that kind of led me into a career as a visual artist. Um, mm. And you know, I kind of moonlighted as a DJ um, and I guess harboured secret thoughts about getting back to making music. But I guess, you know, my first experience was the stuff that I'd always, I'd always been around producers and I'd always done sessions with people or, you know, my friends when everyone was making garage records and stuff. But what I would make was just not, as much as I tried, I like couldn't make what the hype sound was at the time. It didn't sound good to me. So I kind of gave up. I was like, well, you know, like I, I I don't know how to make what the hot song is, so I guess what well, I'll just I'll just be a DJ or I'll just put on clubs or I'll just design the flyers. I won't actually make the music. Um, but like as years went past and like, I started realizing, like you know, maybe maybe there was something in what I was doing, basically. Mm. So you left London to go to uni, is that right? For yeah, a bit? yeah. Um, what made you want to like get out of the city or did you find that like liberating creatively or did you kind of 
miss that magnetic feeling that the city can kind of give sometimes. Yeah, I don't think I've ever experienced that. So I don't, I don't, I've never, my experience of London, some of them are quite, quite, quite rough, like quite broad. So I wanted to get away. Um, I have a kind of a love-hate relationship with it. I'm deeply from London and of the city, but at the same time, there's things about it that just made me want to want to leave. Um, just in terms of stuff happened when I was growing up, and I just I didn't I don't have that attachment that some people had to it um, or have to it. For me, it was always about I wanted to see other places and meet other people and. I, you know, I guess I was kind of into club culture, right? And, was, you know, you'd hear the stories of Manchester and Acid House and all of that. You know, yeah, we're too young for it, but, we, you know, I'm definitely old enough to have to have heard these stories from people that were, you know, my, I remember we had this one music teacher who was this, like, young raver who was just telling us about how sick it was. And so, you know, 13-year-old me was just that was it as soon as I could leave I, I wanted to go and experience something outside of what I knew and um what were you planning on doing in Manchester I went to study engineering I went to study aerospace engineering to begin with and decided fairly rapidly that I, I didn't want to design missiles for a living so kind of just fell into into what my 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 pastimes were right which was you know, I was supporting myself with all the club stuff, which I'd, cause I'd started it as a kid and then just always done it and always made money from it, putting on raves and like DJing a bit. And then this is what was getting me through uni. So then it's like, okay, I'm not gonna be at uni. What do I do? And I'd, I'd got, I was quite good at it and quite well known. So I just went full tilt with that. And then the other thing was obviously that had just kind of developed into me, um, working as a designer because people looked at the, the club flyers that I did and they were like oh who's doing this we want this oh actually we're going to recognize you in this way this is you know this is real art da, da, da. so I was like okay I'm going to go head first into that and I just kind of took myself back to art school a few a few years later and you know and studied um graphic design basically mm, and was that back in London no it was in Manchester I stayed in Manchester Oh, nice. So when you were in Manchester, did you find that you were sort of growing your family of like creatives and other musicians? 100% because, you know, I was, I guess I arrived there like fully formed, ready for nightlife. A lot of people start putting on events, you know, when they're at uni. But I had been doing this for five years before I even got there. I've been doing it since I, since I was underage, you know. So... It was just like it was second nature to me, so I kind of found myself kind of at the center of of a lot of music, like underground music related things. Just because I always had been since a, since a, since I was a young teenager, and in Manchester it's a small city, and you know there aren't that many people with the name that I have, so everybody kind of knew me for, for for doing that, and yeah, I definitely was for a long time. So what were some of the nights that you were putting on and going to around that era? Around that era? Ah, oh, there's so many. Um, it, it varies from, there was underground things. I did a night called System, System Unique. That was years ago. Um, we did 
like R and B, like the like the hood, like gunman stroke footballer spot. Like it was, it was a at a place called the Baby Grand Relish. There was a thing called Pre Raider. I did. There was nights at Sankey's into underground music um, or electronic music. We did so much stuff there over the years. It was like a, I was very, very. I used to live next door to Dave Vincent at some point, um, so I did stuff over there. Um, we did. I did a, a big, like a, by a sort of. I was quite successful with it. So at some point, I started doing like big events, like almost mini festivals. Um, so we did a festival called All Day Breakfast, and we had kind of at one time we had Mr. Wazo books and a lot of dubstep music because I knew people from home from South London, was able to to um, was able to just basically be the point man for that like dubstep invasion in the north, and like it kind of like I kind of built a big group of people around me um, that eventually morphed into into Murkish, eventually m morphed into um, Murkish Cartel because, you know, most people don't really know this, but like I was doing events with Murkish Dave for maybe six years before Murkish even existed. You know what I mean? And then he went and started that and that was, we was like, okay, let's, as a group, let's join up. So we did that for another five years you know um um in manchester or however long the time was um but yeah i guess it all kind of funneled into that um, and eventually led to me just actually making music yeah were you mostly focused on the like facilitating of nights and then during the day maybe doing your um degree um, or were you already expressing your thoughts through music at that point? Yeah, I was. I wasn't doing my degree. I did. I, <laughs> I did my um, the first couple of years of engineering, and literally, you know, I got through the first couple of years, and I just wasn't really interested in it anymore. It was. It was just too much. To do, to do with war, to be honest with you. Um, so I was just full time involved in, in in the nightclub business. I mean, at one point we had events every night of the, every night of the week. You know, I was like a major booker and promoter in Manchester for years. Um, and at some point, I realised, you know, in my mid twenties, I realised, look, like. I, is this what I want to do forever? And I also had this kind of concurrent practice doing artwork that started with flyers and then had kind of developed into video work and like art. So I said, you know what, let me get a qualification. Um, and I went back to uni. Um, and I kind of did that fairly quickly. But after that, I opened up a like a studio um, doing visual stuff and I guess it, at that time that's when I really started experimenting with making bits of music of my own for the video right um, that I was doing because at this point I was just making music videos for people so whilst at this time we started doing Murkish and that 
turned into a musical endeavor and literally somebody i was standing on the stage and somebody said to dave you should give that guy a microphone he's got something about him and he was like what well, you know what do you mean what guy could like you know oh i mean i was the guy that they got money off like you know or facilitated certain things but i guess they everyone knew me for like drunk and freestyles you know like i was that guy that you can't really kick off the stage like do you know what i mean and um i'm also very if i start doing something i have to be good at it like i i will put in the time and effort to try and master it and so when I kind of got invited to the studio and I had been making bits of like instrumental stuff to go on videos, but, and someone said, okay, let's record your voice. I think because I was in a room of my friends and because it wasn't, you know, I, I guess there wasn't that anxiety that kind of can be, that can be around being in front of people you don't know and so on. I just took to it like a like a fish to water and I, I found like, oh wow, no. I was right all them years ago where I started and let me just not be afraid. You know, let me let me not that that you know, it took me back to that sort of being that young teenager and making them weird songs on a tape deck and everyone going, Oh no, that doesn't sound like the the hype garage or grime record and then putting it down. It was more like oh no, this is what I'm meant to do and get over the fear and keep doing it. And it, it kind of propelled us, looking back at it, it kind of propelled us as a group, you know? So I kind of was the really the main songwriter and just creative force behind that as, as, as a band and as a creative entity um, because I was so hell bent on proving to myself that I could do it and I didn't just need to be the dude who's cleverer at like organizing stuff. Mm. Well, that sounds like quite a large realization to come to. Yeah, um, but you know, my father was dying and I just, when you consider your own mortality, it's like, you know, the big question is what am I gonna do? What do I want? Do I, do I, look, I had been a, you know, 21 year old club kingpin with a fancy, with a nice flat and a, and a, and, and, you know, designer clothes and all of that. And, you know, I didn't want that. That's not what I had ever set out to do. I just fell into it because it was like, let me, let me fill my time with, with gainful employment. Let me do, if I'm not going to do my degree, let me do this. Okay, cool. I'm doing this. When I kind of went to art school, it was so funny because everybody was broke, right? But when I went, I wasn't. I had this whole club empire and I was working, doing all this design stuff. So it, it, it kind of, I guess it meant that when it came to me deciding to uh, really seriously pick up music, it was because I had experienced a lot of things that people kind of aspire to experience. You know what I mean? Like for what, you know, the question was, why did you go to work, right? You know, I had been well off, you know, certainly for my age, I had been the guy, I'd done all that and it didn't make me happy. And I felt like, 
I had to confront this 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 fear of like not of being judged or being you know of not fitting in musically and stuff like that everyone used to come to me about music i was known as someone that knew what you're talking about about music because i'd been so deeply involved in like underground music from so young um but i guess that's different to being confident to actually perform and say okay what i'm what i make is what i make and has has validity um but it was just you know, it was literally do or die. So I had to do. Mm. It sounds like you um, are passionate about um, community. If you've come yeah. from a, a background of facilitating, you know, a party where you want people to have a nice time and yeah. enjoy. And then you've also been facilitating, you know, a collective and, and like bringing people together in that way. And I was just wondering... Is that something that you were able to um, find again or build again when you returned to London? Yeah. I mean, look, my whole life's been that. You know, my, I grew up, my dad had a business uh, where he had, you know, I, he had, I don't know, five, six kind of other black guys running this laboratory in South London. That's what I grew up with. That was my normal, right? Yeah, my normal isn't, like go to work for somebody. It was always being the center of organizing things. So like me and my brothers are always the guys, always the guys to put on the parties, always the guys to organize things because that's just what we knew. When I came back to London, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was a bit, it's a bit of a funny one because I think I, I knew a lot of people, a lot of people knew of me from them times. And I'd be lying if I said that, uh, you know, uh, uh, a warm welcome was extended to me by uh, a lot of the, the 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 scene of which I'd been a part of facilitating. Um, but it was extended to me by other people who I didn't know. Um, and, you know, I'll never forget that. And I guess I, I'm always trying to, partly because of that, partly because it's just my nature, I've, I've always been trying to build things because I, be I believe in collective collective power, you know, um, it, it, you know, certain people have made big differences in my career for just including me. So I always want to extend that because I think that, you know, politically, as all musicians, we're just kind of in a weird bind um, where we just don't have very much agency in the in the industry in which we participate. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't think that's fair. And, and I, I want to do something about that. Plus, I, I actually genuinely like people and working with people. Mm. Would you say that um, having that experience of working kind of behind the scenes mm. in music before you kind of came to the game as an artist mm. has helped you navigate the music industry? Um, it's helped me operate without having to make concession, for sure. I don't think it's helped me navigate it, right? Because it's like, almost like, because I had done everything independently up until I actually put out my own records. And, you know, I'm, we're set up to do things independently, always have been. It's meant that maybe sometimes I don't really fit in. 
Like you're not gonna catch me at like some like panel event with like some rep from 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 a major. You know, I've I've had zero conversations with anyone from any major label except maybe one guy tried to get me to remix a Dua Lipa record um, early on and I didn't do it, right? Maybe I should have done. But the point is, that it's not like I have any real interaction with, with that side. Very much so on the independent or like more kind of what you'd call underground side. But in terms of like the, the industry or whatever that means, I don't even know what it means because I don't know. I, I, sometimes I feel like I'm viewed with a certain amount of sus suspicion. I've grown to enjoy it, to, to revel in it. Because if something's so broken and like doesn't even pay people minimum wage for the work that they do that everybody employs, then I'm quite happy to be the bad guy, right? Like I want to be the bad guy in that situation because that just means my morals are intact. And so I've just learned how to, 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 to go around certain things. I've had some bad experiences, but you know, it's just made me even more resolute in wanting to build like better structures, not just for me, but for like a lot of other people. Mm. Um, because again, it's something I've always been doing and it's something I feel passionate about. And I, I feel like I have the, the skills for, you know, I never, this is the thing I never set out to be a rap singer, right? I never set out to do any of that artist stuff. That has been like me confronting my own personal demons, right? And in public and wow, people like it. That's, that's great, that's great. But my entrance into music wasn't as that, so I, I find this kind of weird, sometimes there's this weird dissonance between what I expect and what people I'm dealing with think I expect or think mm. that I want or think that I care about. Mm. You know, like I'm not easily fooled with things that are gonna make me this much more famous or this much more comfortable. It's not, that's not, you know what I mean? Like if I was in this for the money and hype, I wouldn't be doing it. I certainly wouldn't be making the music that I am. Do you ever find that that um, comes to interact with you the other way around as well? So for example, like when someone who has been listening to your music, mm. where you're sharing thoughts that are like extremely personal and, and yeah. reflect on your own experiences and they kind of come to you and they obviously in a way know more about you than you know about them. How do you... Um, how do you cope with those types of situations? That's just normal for me. That's been me like my whole life. Just cause I just, I always put it down to like having a, na a weird name and having a quite a extremely, well not extreme, but a very different upbringing to most people in so much as, you know, my dad was a scientist, but we lived in the hood. That's not, most people don't really have the kind of, the hybrid experience that me and my brothers have done. I mean, you know, you can't, everyone's different and everyone has their story, but we had a very interesting thing. You know, my dad was on TV in the, in, in the early eighties. So I was always used to people like thinking that they know our business or thinking that they know about us and stuff. So it's just, I'm just used to it. It's, it's kind of, I wish people would, 
um, get to know actually who I am as opposed to whatever they think. But I've also got to sort of look at my own culpability in in the image that I, you know, create. Um, so yeah, it's I'm just it's just normal. It's possibly set you up to be quite resilient as an artist. Yeah, I think. I'd say I'm pretty, I've had like quite a long career, to be honest, um, mm-hmm. thus far. And I still managed to be new. So <laughs> um, I feel like, yeah, I think it definitely has. Um, it's just, again, it's a cliche, but I just believe it's just, you know, just concentrate on the work, man. Like everything else is smoke and mirrors. Like, to me, I just, I feel like the music you make or the art that you make, it now lasts forever in the internet. There's no reason to make trash things for, for money. Um, so that's the biggest shield ever for any kind of bandulu nonsense. It's just like, well, let me just get back in the studio and make something that's, it's, that's good. Because it it, I feel good when I'm creating. I guess it comes back to this thing. It's like I'm doing it like to do it. There's no, there's no calculation about money, fame, if I get this or I get this, because honestly, like, it, that's illogical. If you want to be famous, like go on Love Island or something. If you want to be rich, go work in a bank. Like it's not, if you make music, you make music because you love it. I'm not saying, I, be, I believe wholeheartedly that musicians should be remunerated properly. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is at the same time, take pride in your work in and of itself. And, um, I think that's been the biggest source of of like resilience because I guess it, it's allowed me to just change tack whenever I want. And I think growing up in that way has definitely given me a hard headedness. Like I am who or whatever I say I am. I'm not like no one can tell me what to do or how to be or can you change this? Can you be more like this? They're, nah, the answer is just no from the beginning. Um, mm. I mean, like. I think music's a really strange beast where you get this situation where people there are whole there are there's a whole genre of person who's there to tell musicians what to make. Like fine artists, you know, my other half of my practice is fine art. They don't have handlers who kind of decide what it is that you paint, right? So that that thing I think um, it's kind of fairly obsolete, isn't it? Mm. I think it's really important for young artists to hear that from you because Mm. we have kind of slipped into this format where like someone else who works at a big company is allowed to critique your music and make you feel like you need to change it because it needs to fit this certain thing. So I do think it's really important for younger artists to... Mm take in what you're saying and and realize that like no it doesn't have to be like that yeah and like, i believe in like dual power in a way it's all well and good me saying that but without actually having structures that that can help young artists do exactly that and still be seen you know uh and still be heard and still be valued then it's just talk right that's that's the conclusion that i've recently come to is that i've spent so much time talking and making my point guess what yeah I was I wasn't lying and I think everyone can see that 
Um, uh, what now, right? It's now time to do to to, to do something. Um, mm. um, and you know, I say this: my work's always going to be my work. I'm always going to make my art. I'm always going to do that. There's nothing that can stop me from doing that because it is part of who I am. It's like breathing to me. Um, and then separately to that, there is been able to to facilitate um, other people to to do the same and actually, you know, be valued for it. You must turn up. You must turn up. Yeah. There will be blood. Take me back to sort of three to five mm. years ago. Um, it felt like um, this point in London's underground music scene mm. where a lot of genres were beginning to mesh and merge. Um, the era of like Bala Club and other collectives mm. like that um, all coexisting in the city. And you were kind of like, well, from an outsider's perspective, you were kind of like a bit of a figurehead for mm. um, that family of musicians. Mm. Um, so, yeah, just take me back to that time and around your first warp release, what kind of headspace were you in, and what was your creative process like in terms of being a collaborator at that moment? Well, see, this goes back to the uh, what you were talking about in terms of working with people. Like, I had just recently come back from Manchester, and those guys were like the first, one of the first people to sort of champion my music, and I kind of walked into the situation and. And, and, you know, they weren't people I knew at all and could see that, the, you know, this was, this was something that was really just dope. And it was kind of not just because they had supported me, but because they obviously, they didn't have any, any other support. They didn't necessarily have the years or the resources and things that I did. So obviously I'm going to champion it. It wasn't just a case of let me turn up and like, sing my song and 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 then go away having got the source you know there's people that did that I wouldn't I couldn't do that I don't believe in that so I've got existing long-term relationships with with those guys to this day and it's always a pleasure like to work with people who to believe in people who believe in you um and yeah the headspace I was in was just about just about doing whatever I wanted to do on, 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 on my own terms. I mean, I've got this ability to like, kind of hyper-focus. That's what that thing's, the title of it, I guess in some ways was Machine. And I had just spent time, like I'd spent like a month literally living under a table in a cupboard studio in Manchester. And then just came to London, back to London, like a bat out of hell, you know. I came back to London because my dad was dying. And I, it was just, I was on a mission, you know? So um, for me, it was like, look, I'm, I'm gonna work with people. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna engage. It certainly wasn't like trying to be 
outside of or above things or, or whatever. I like I like the ground level stuff the most. You know, I, in certain cities in the world, I've I've turned down higher profile shows to go and do more like grassrootsy things. That's, that's what I enjoy. Right, I don't all that stuff when like there's eight managers and there's a loads of hangers on and like mountains of bad cocaine like it's the worst shit ever do you know what i mean like that's not that's not what i am interested in i'm interested in new things and things that are happening you know in those in those dark rooms where people are finding out new sounds and new stuff and new ways of being and it's just much more interesting and I guess it's just also what I have always been doing. Yeah a lot of that um, family of collectives yeah. and that sound artists like Camillo and Endgame and yeah. they and you were kind of described with words like deconstructed mm. and I just wondered how that description sits with you like how did you f- feel about having your music described in using a word like that? Like when they started tagging me in with all that I just thought it was a liberty because I thought it was like what they're really saying is grime music like like grime music or like 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 POC club music can't can't actually evolve, right? And to evolve it is to deconstruct it, is to break it rather than grow it. And like I made one song that kind of had a kind of uh, different take on a on a on a dancehall beat, and it, I got tagged in with all of that. And immediately, I started making R and B after that. And I'm glad that I did, because immediately, what happens is, when it, whenever that tag or these tags that come from the outside and get put on things, when they run out, suddenly those those musicians are no longer relevant. And it's like I think it's like one of the most oppressive things. It's it's. I saw it happen to a lot of people I knew and I didn't know them well, but you know, we got tagged in the same conversations and it's like, I'm here five years later and they're not. And that's just cause I just actively went as far away from that thing as I could as possible because I just thought it was just completely, it's not right. Like what's, what's, what's deconstructed? Why is it deconstructed? Yeah, it is bizarre. It's, yeah, it's weird that people um, feel the need to project language onto art. Yeah, but it's about control, isn't it? It's about power. Okay, this, I define this, this is what I say it is. You know, so if some people, if all those like Elliot Mans are out here making kind of like weak garage records, no one says, it, no one calls it weak garage. They just say, oh, it's, it's future garage. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And mm. so, who's you know? There has to be a conversation about okay, who's getting paid after that? Do you see what I'm saying? Like, who lives in a mansion mm. and who drives a cab? And who started it and who copied who? It's it's all that shit. So it, it, that that's my thing. I just won't play that game mm. because the moment you start doing something, you know, it, look, I did a song 3D. Um, we did a song 3D and. Literally, weeks later, I see a, a perfume ad that sounds just like it. I look through my emails and I find the guy who's made this perfect perfume ad has been trying to contact me for ages. So it's like, okay, 
if I now tag my music in with whatever that label that those people are giving it, then I, that's not, it's not my music anymore. And so it's, and I just, we've seen the process of this, right? You know, I remember being in a club in Berlin and the DJ played a Prince record and this guy lost his mind and said, what are you doing? This is Berlin. This is not techno. And I, I, I just, I nearly got in a fight with this man because I just thought, like, how are you deciding, telling these people what the boundary of the, of the music that they play is? That's not right. Um, mm. And I think it's really... Again, I think it's just a really oppressive thing that, that I just, you know, it's, for me, it's not just about kind of maintaining your, you know, control over your resources and your access to you know, equipment and space, but also just how you, your ability to self-define is something that you, I think as an artist, that you, you know, you've got to protect. Um, and I don't know, it kind of runs in opposition to like popularity, I suppose, but I don't care. Mm. And to kind of put that distance between you and labels that were trying mm. to be projected onto you, you kind of generated your own way of describing your music in a catchy mm. phrase that people can digest easily. And you call it ghetto futurism. Yeah. Um, tell me all about how you arrived at that phrase and how you feel those words encompass your creativity. Uh, I said that because I I could see the more I kind of resisted uh, outside genre labels, the more I was just getting like tagged in with the Afrofuturist thing, right? Um, which I again I thought was just super super lazy and actually really quite far from what my music is, right? Um, I don't make jazz music, so what are we talking about, um, but. I so I kind of said that it's quite glibly, um, but then I thought about it and I thought, well, what do I mean? And I thought, well, it's just really about the ability of any depowered person to self-define, right? You know, it, you know, I've got a lyric that says, "Every ghetto has a future," and the, the idea is that like we kind of are supposed to live. If you live in an inner city community, if you live in any community that isn't the very wealthy you're kind of in some way expected to not consider time, right? Po the future or the past. You just got to live in this moment of get up, go to work. You can't save, you know, you, you always need to, you, and you always need to be spending to buy things. You just, you're just sort of, or you're, you're, you're living to work. You know, that hand-to-mouth existence um, has no consideration of, 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 the future of hope even on in different degrees of the ability or agency to 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 change your outcome um and i guess my work is always about saying well no that's not true like we've got the power like we dictate what's going to happen we start the thing that's it so I suddenly kind of was like, okay, you know what? 
yeah, I am going to use this because as much as it was said in the kind of in truculence in a way, um, actually, yeah, like if you're going to call my music anything, it's going to be what I tell you it is. Um, and that is connected to my ideology, which is that all of us, the people who, who don't have, uh, this is, there's degrees to this, you know, have the power. We just need to know that we do and, and, and exercise it. And I guess that, that's what I want to put in the world. Mm. For me, as someone who's kind of just listening to all of the music that mm. we've been talking about, like your releases, the releases from like Barla Club and other mm. labels and collectives similar, um, they kind of represent like a moment in London's um, music scene in kind of the evolution of London's music yeah. scene. I was wondering if you had any thoughts or observations about how the next generation um, will have to potentially adapt their kind of methods of growing and building a alternative or an underground music scene um, among this backdrop of like a global pandemic. Like, do you think music mm. scenes can continue to evolve and thrive at the moment? I think that when I look at all of those kind of collectives and groups of people that, you know, as a solo artist, I'm associated with and my own stuff and the history of it. I think that it, it's kind of like a pressure makes diamonds situation where we're dealing with closing venues, um, uh, music kind of people people sort of honing their abilities to make music in small spaces um and you know like friendly tech suppliers uh, and all of that um but you know we didn't organize uh to the point where we had or you know we don't have like sizable presence in the rest of music so it just leaves us open to like plagiarism and all this kind of stuff, you know, you know, and I think right now, you know, when you're talking about Endgame and Camilo and Felix and, you know, all of those people, no one, you know, no one's old, you know, so it's like the time is, 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 is now to organize and actually, I guess, actually like stake our claim to what's ours really, um, to be honest. Um, and I think for the new generation that are coming through, I feel like it's a different situation. And one thing they should learn is from us is to be mindful of their energy, mindful of, of kind of the kind of bastions of, uh, you know, electronic music of yesteryear coming along, waving waving their checkbooks. You know, if because those people didn't didn't actually support the, the scene in any way, they just ex exploited it. And I'm speaking as a, as the point man for that, right? And it's like the new generation don't do it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just 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 build up with your friends and just protect your energy. Is the advice I can give them. Um, mm. You know, um, if people don't have, if there aren't people who look like you that work in that building, then don't go in that building. You know, and I think 
now even more so because there's no support. There's no festivals. There's no uh, uh, um, clubs and stuff. So I'd say, yeah, like work collectively with your, with your, with your people and, and build how you're going to build. And then like reach out to uh, reach out to us, reach out to, to other people that have been through it, that are doing stuff independently that are going to give you the, the advice and support without uh, without really trying to extract. And they might not be the most well-known or the, the person that's got the, 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 the most Spotify streams or whatever. Those things are all engineered. It doesn't mean anything. I always say this to people, you know, everyone, you know, look, the reason why I... I, I get big shows or I talk to people like you guys or, or whatever is because I can put bums on seats and that has nothing to do with the amount of online streaming that I do. That's not a measure of anything except for how much money you pay Spotify. And like no one wants to just say it, but it's the truth. This is why people get cancelled tours and da, 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 like, you know, all that, all that stuff is nonsense. Like what, what matters is you make good music and express yourself in a true way and, and live your life in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a clean hearted way. That's what I believe. Mm. Everything else is just strategy meetings that are, that, that, that serve no purpose. Are there any um, artists or sounds or genres that um, are either relatively new or emerging? Um, anything that you've seen that you're like genuinely really excited about? Um... I don't know. I've just been in my own uh my own bubble, my own my own hole, like making my my kind of stuff. I think yeah, there's like I mean a lot of stuff we've been putting on nine nights, I think I'm into Kia Blue, Vampire, like I think acts like that. Um yeah, I think a lot of just new the wave of like kind of alternative black music that I guess I've had a part in 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 pushing, you know. Uh I think I see a lot of things and I feel like, you know what, like I rate them. I I I message them and be like, you know what? I see what you're doing. Um and I, I, I hope that maybe my like hard headedness has been inspirational to some people. Um and when I see that I rate it. Well, I see groups of um, um, uh, young black kids come together and say, "Look, we are we are actually going to do something that's different from the mainstream kind of story that's like pushed by by majors and 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 so on." And I, I've, you know, a lot of those people I have had um, artistic relationships with, you know, and and. I've known them coming up and now I see them organizing and doing their thing. And I feel like it's dope. I feel like that's why I started it in the first place. Um, you know, yeah. So I, I'm really like, my thing is really, I'm not someone that sits and, and is watching like new artists coming through and trying to worry about what they're doing because I think sometimes it's good to just, I don't know, just, just leave the young boys to do what they're doing, isn't it? you know, and support them where they need you to. You know, my focus is what's in front of me, which is like, not really even to do with music. Yeah, it's to, or it's to do with music, but to do with the industry of music. Mm. Um, 
and 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 creatively just be be true to myself and develop my own skills as a as a as a as a as a music maker as a musician as a as a engineer as a producer as an artist you know try and really join my practices together and stuff like that um and I, I quite like doing that without really worrying about what's hot because that doesn't matter to me like you know what I mean it's not yeah I think I think when you do that you're just kind of playing the, the the relevance game which doesn't really mean anything like who decides what's relevant and what isn't like people say that I'm perpetually relevant that's because I just don't even think about it like I, just, I don't know is answer your question in a roundabout <laughs> way like I know I know some artists who I who I rate you know what I mean I rate what uh Oscar World Peace and and Rags Original and Cosima and all them are all doing there I think that's sick like um it, to me, what's sick about it? I haven't even listened to any of the music. I just it's the it's the motion more than more than more more more, more than that. Um, mm. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, in terms of electronic music, I'm quite excited by this. These young guys are just making like command line code music. That uh, this guy called Lord Data, and he just he did something with one of my songs, and it's totally bonkers, but. I just like how bonkers it is, you know? Like, I'm someone that likes weird things to be really weird. It's like hi-fi, lo-fi, like there's no, anything else is just washed to me. So, um, um, what's that Japanese band? Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but um, yeah, there's, um, yeah, there's, um, some musicians in Africa, like a lot of new kind of electronic music coming out of Western East Africa, I think is is really interesting. There's a whole scene there. I, I'm really focused on on creatively on um, other places in the world as well. Mm, then just assuming that kind of like Western homogeny is like forever, mm. cultural homogeny is, is forever because it's not. So yeah, um, that's what I think about that. Let's get back on to talking about your practice. Yeah. So the live element of your practice mm. is sort of temporarily suspended a bit. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about what presenting specifically your music in a live setting means to you. Yeah, I, um, I always want it to be this like, like a like a real experience like I don't want it to be just you go there and you stand there with your arms folded and go oh isn't he clever or you go there and just like jump up and down and just kind of like rage either you know I want it to be a, a mixture of those experiences because that's what life is so I try and mix a kind of kind of like gear show for all the nerds mixed with a rap or a rock show uh, with like a splash of kind of R&B sex to it, I think. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I think I'm quite good live. And I just, I've tried, I've made an effort to be in it because I've toured for so, like, so much. Um, so yeah, it's like live electronics um, and, and then me singing. Um, or, and sometimes I'm doing some of the electronics. Sometimes there are, shows with uh, visuals and stuff but 
and I'm doing those. It's, I, I like to I like to switch it up and just give people something that they've never seen before each time. Mm. How do you go about um, planning one of your big shows? Like I was at your Roundhouse show. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could use that as an example. Like how do you get that to the stage? <laughs> With great difficulty and uh, <laughs> uh, and a bit and willing willingness to never uh, yeah, willingness to argue with people. Um, no, it's, I did that with Jason Yard uh, and I, I composed the music and then we interpreted it with a 10 piece or eight piece band, whatever it was. And then we, at the same time, I was working on the, on the visual aspect with some people from the roundhouse, young people putting that together. And I guess it's just like, it's just, you know, I directed music videos for years, so I can think in that way, you know, you've got to think about all these different different things and bring them together. I try and bring everyone together around a central piece of music, but like I do kind of have an overview of each thing and, and just, it just comes down to that community thing. Organizing groups of people is what I've been doing since I was 13, you know? So it's, yeah, that comes together with difficulty, but at the end, everyone, I've always found everyone's happy when they've done something that is incredible and not just the same old, thing um and you know i really that's what i enjoy more than anything is putting together kind of experiential singular shows not more than festivals more than kind of back of beyond like touring in some place to promote something that doesn't like i don't really think that that benefits anyone as an artist and as a result i'd kind of stopped touring last year and and I did a tour and I kind of hated it and I you know I did this because I was kind of told that I needed to do a headline tour to get more fans it's like well what's the point of me going to the middle of nowhere you know what what uh, do I have people there who want to see me mm. I'd rather work with the people that choose to understand choose to engage the active listener not like I'm not a salesman um, and I'd rather spend my time creating something amazing for the people that want to come down and want to be there. And I think, you know, conversely, I think that I kind of feel a duty to make something beautiful and amazing in that were you there moment. Because I've, I've played so many shows, I've been to so many shows, I've put on so many shows over the years. And I know there's nothing worse than when, you, you know, you pay your money and someone's not turned up. You know, or they've, I mean, they've turned up, but they've, they've not tried to make it good. Um, I, don't, I don't like that. And I respect my audience and I respect every person that ever plays any of my music or who, you know, is, I've got a cult following and, and, and I just got so much love for all of those people. And they'll, they'll come out. So why would I not go ham, you know? And speaking of touring and shows, I was just reading about your new EP um, and reading that it was kind of made or conceived when you were touring in Mexico. Is that right? No, I went to America to mix another album album and then I I guess it was, we thought of the idea when we were in Mexico and then because I became friends with those guys from touring for sure. But then I... Uh, actually m- went to the Americas 
to mix down my last album and then uh, just went from LA to Mexico City and just like got this down. Um, so yeah, that's when I done it. But yeah, it's true. I did meet them from touring. This is the Nafi yeah. Collective. Um, well, I want to hear more about this EP. What kind of sounds were you taking in whilst you were out in Mexico? Uh, I don't just mean music, but like when you were kind of exploring the cities. Um, just city sounds, traffic, police, the sound of just people, like street vendors are playing music. I always, always listen to music out of cars. I've got a thing about listening to what people are listening to. Um, clubs, you know, like I spent a lot of time with those guys like playing small shows. I would go to Mexico and play the small shows they put on. So, you know, that that pounding club music coming out of big speakers somewhere. Um, um, a lot of time spent at the beach. So again, it's a sea. Um, I guess I might, if, we, if, if I was influenced in any way by it, it's this feeling of being lost, this feeling of being wondering, of wondering that I think is in the record. And I wanted to, I wanted to get that across. I didn't want it to feel like this studied thing. I wanted it to feel real. Um, so in, in terms of the, the, what we chose and how we mixed it and all of that, it's definitely tried to give it its own character. I think in the dangerous stuff like that, you can feel forced or bolted on. And like it's kind of everyone being like, oh, I'm from Mexico, or I'm from England, or I'm Jamaican, or I'm this. And then it, it, it kind of like just doesn't, it's not true to what it is. Whereas I feel that record's true to my relationship with them, where it, which is like we're friends, we're in the studio, we're recording urgently, and it's the truth of what of what that what that sounds like. I think a lot of the time we were just kind of recreating our experiences with each other, which was me emceeing in a Mexican club in the middle of the night. Like that's what it was. So I kind of wanted to do it like that. So did you have the chance to actually go in the studio with the producers from Nafi and yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't do I don't do phone ins. Like I don't people 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 who listen to this be mad, they sent me all these beats and I didn't do it because I just I it's very rare that I would do a do a, make music like over the internet with somebody that I've never I've never met in person. So no, that was all done in Mexico in person. Mm. What kind of imagery are you hoping you kind of mentioned the themes of kind of wandering mm. but what kind of imagery are you hoping to like conjure in the listener's mind when people um sit down with your ep and take it in a different world a world that they that exists but they, they didn't know people maybe have an idea of what mexico is or have an idea of what the the, the, the new world or the developing world or whatever they have this idea of what it is and how you interact with it and it's just and it's i just know that it's not so I want people to, I'm not going to prescribe what I specifically, but I want people to actually stop, listen and imagine what that place is, where that comes from. Um, because I'd, I'd be fascinated, I'd be fascinated to see if anybody 
anybody like you know hits me up and lets me know what they think that is but it, all of it's based on on real things real places real happenings real thoughts real feelings and it's a real thing that happened you know i went there and did it it's not like oh we didn't sit down and go oh wouldn't it be good if if we did this fusion like no it's this it's a the point was i guess for me to demonstrate yo like this is happening in the world like power is shifting you know fast over yeah thomas he said to me you know what, maybe it isn't about, you know, London, Tokyo, New York, Paris, like all of that, that, that thing. Maybe it's not about that. Maybe it's about Johannesburg, Mexico City, Rio, Seoul, like, you know what I mean? Uh, Mumbai, like, you know, maybe it's about that. Because that's where the, the world's changing, right? And what does a, like a cool record sound like from that? version of power in the world what is coming up next for you like what's your next focus for your energy uh art installations i've got another one starting it's i mean i've been to general public in september in uh, houses and bandas um in london and then uh the british art show i am putting together a, a big work and there'll be a record around that i think um and I have another various different installations, works. Often these things, I, I will release some music around the time or it's the music from it is its own thing. Um, so yeah, like more hybrid works and more organization of, uh, you know, labels, publishing, agency, all of this stuff because like, it ain't going to change it. We have to change it for ourselves. That's the conclusion that I've come to. So that's what I'm going to be doing. I've got a studio, I'm just setting it up even more and, and, and trying to build that up as a, as a real functioning place for, for uh, young artists, particularly young artists of colour, particularly those who want to investigate things that maybe there wasn't space creatively to investigate in other situations. Um, so I'm just building up more facility to, to kind of to, 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 to build this scene so it isn't just like the preserver of certain magazines you know um, and yeah that, that, that's what I'm going to be doing I'm going to be out here just going in love to hear it well Gaika thank you so much for sharing your insight I think there's been some hugely essential lessons that people can take from listening to you speak today and it was also just really nice to um to hear more about how you go about your practice so thank you so much thank you Shape and figure and success Blood red lips like a ruby I'm 